0: Hello, cats and kitties, and welcome to another Thin Air podcast. It is October 2nd, 2013, and um, welcome. So, I am in the garden as usual, and uh, it's starting to turn into fall a bit. Uh, Leaves are changing, falling, Um, a lot of the plants in the garden are dying, and uh, always a good time to meditate and reflect and hopefully record some good podcasts, uh, for y'all. So, <laughs> um, the topic I'm going to attempt to talk about today, I feel heinously underprepared, uh, to say anything at all, because it's something I think about so much, um, and for a long time now. And, uh, you'd think that having thought for so long that I would have more to say, but that's kind of why this is such an interesting conundrum. Um, it actually stems from conversations that I used to have with McCabe uh, a couple years ago now, two or three years ago, and they were usually in the context of management and uh, given a problem or a company or an idea or anything really in life and uh, having both the power to plan and strategize and uh, set procedures and all of these sort of controls, um, you know, having that power, it was this question of how much do you try and control and how much do you let go of? Because I think when I first started talking with McCabe, he was very much uh, in the controlling aspect. And it was this idea that... Everything can be thought about and understood, and plans could be made, and tasks could be set for different people, and uh, you could always get to the goals that you were trying to get to through an intelligent um, plan and execution. And at the time, I was uh, in my in my off period. I would call it, uh, not having a whole lot of engagement and really focusing in on these concepts that I've been talking about throughout these podcasts, these ideas of uh, the Tao and of uh, just Buddhist concepts. And a lot of it kind of comes down to uh, letting go and not trying to control everything. And most Zen stories, most uh, Chinese proverbs... They boil down to the idea that everything is doing what it does and the best thing that you can do is not to try and push it around and not to try and impose uh, rules and structure but to let things do as they do and to, um, if anything, to understand the way things move and then if you're trying to reach some objective, uh, you let things... Go as they will, but with some sort of intention. Um, it's the idea. I love this story. It's one that really expresses the essence of this for me. But uh, roughly paraphrased, it's the idea that if you have a herd of cattle, let's say, and you want to control them, you want to have them act in a certain way. It said that the worst thing to do is to put them in fences. And to try and change their nature to make them be what you want them to be. Uh, If you do that, you will have unhappy cows and bad milk and uh, problems. And the second worst thing to do is to ignore them. And to just let them go and just do whatever they want and to pay no attention to them at all. And uh, obviously if that's the case, uh, you might not even get any milk. Because they might wander off into a ditch and get hurt or... You know any number of things so uh the worst is to try to change them the second worst is to ignore them and the best it said is to just watch them and to just see what they do naturally and then put in front of them uh things that already play into their nature but also play into what you want them to do so I presume that would mean, you know, if cows like to socialize and stand around and you give them a place to do that and salt to lick or whatever else and you you always flow with their nature but towards outcomes that you're looking to achieve. But even in that story, uh there it's interesting because to to do anything, uh to some extent is to force your will, your ideas, your strategies onto a situation. And even if those strategies are very subtle and very uh, going with the nature of things or whatever, um, you know, that I don't know that that's something that we can know for certain. I don't, you know, how can we ever really know the behavior of a cow and understand a situation so fully that you can act in this very zen-like way of, uh, you know, to really have done nothing... But to have your results achieved um, to even to even think that you can do that is I think just a rehash of that same problem uh, to to try to control with a different type of control is still to try to control so this is the problem that I'm just putting forth, and I will state from the beginning that I really don't have uh, a clear a clear point that I'm trying to get to or really any uh, groundbreaking insights But it's something that has just been coming up uh, recently and I figured if anything was interesting to talk about that this uh, might be some good food for thought So uh, let's see uh, the reason why this has been coming up in my thinking is for obvious reasons I would suppose is you know, in going through life, there's, there's constantly, uh, these objectives that we're trying to get to whatever that might be, whether it's, uh, running a company and trying to do something or just trying to make it through your daily existence. Uh, but regardless of what we're doing, we're always in this situation where, uh, I think this question is very pertinent, pertinent. Um, and it, it really ties back again to all the things that we've been talking about, and Taoism, uh, you know, in its essence, is really this idea of letting go uh, almost completely. It seems on some levels, but that is uh, not always effective. I guess. I mean, I, I, I feel like I have practiced that type of mentality for a, a long time and it always gets you somewhere and uh this is where you know this question like i said is it's really hard to even think about because um, as, as i think through it now i'm thinking about uh past situations where rather than imposing my will or trying to to change people to do what i wanted them to do or to really make a stink about things you know i just sort of let process processes unfold and uh I mean, I, fu- I fundamentally believe that that is a, you know, as valid a way of doing things as anything. Uh, so I, it's not so much that I feel <clears throat> that that path is unsuccessful. It just is what it is. And it, it still leads to these interesting questions where you see events that had had occurred, that at the time you had opinions and ideas and things that you would have done differently. And to just let let the people around you go to just let everything kind of go. Uh, it gets back, I guess, to some of the other conversations, the other podcasts uh, dealing with ideas like choices um, in a pretty big way where you you know a choice is almost a reflection of different outcomes. Uh, only one ever happened, but you can very easily think of other things that could have happened. And in so doing, kind of impose this idea of choices. And that's part of this conversation, I think, because to, um, to do anything, we keep with us this idea that we're making choices. And it's a choice to go with the flow or to uh, impose your will. It's a choice to trust the people around you to do the right thing versus uh, trying to put measures in place to control them to, to do the outcome that you want them to do. But we always think of it in terms of choice, in terms of, you know, choosing one strategy versus another. And like I've talked about, I still just am not convinced uh, <laughs> that that is the nature of things. You know, the real fundamental nature of things is these, you know, this constant series of choices and instead this, you know, flowing of action but it's, it's such a brain twister, an absolute brain twister, because to even have this conversation and bring up these points that I'm bringing up, I mean, it, it falls right into that trap of, you know, what do you do? You know, do you let people do this? Do you let people do that? Do you uh, push things around or do you let it go? And I'm posing it in terms of choices. And uh, I just don't think there's any way around that, so please forgive me, uh, and I guess if anything... just just join me in experiencing how, how strange the whole thing is. But, uh, I'll get back to this, this topic, I guess, and see if there's any more insight that can be dug out of it. Cause I think it is, it is at the heart of the question of life. I think, you know, it's that question of it, faced with these ideas and faced with this whole world of, movement and sights and sounds and people and ideas and opinions and uh different ways of thinking about things uh really this this whole thing can be reduced down to that essential question of what is moving us what is motivating us and uh it it almost borderlines on you know the ancient uh conversations and dialogues about free will and whether or not we actually have free will um, i'm just sort of realizing that my my whole spiel about choices in a sense uh is that same that same conversation you know if we don't have a choice, does that mean that we are uh without free will <laughs> i mean does does will really boil down to choosing? I would say that our culture tells us that that is the essential element of free will. I'm still not convinced, nor do I feel that we are just autonomous, uh, you know, mechanical machines just sort of plunking through this uh, thermodynamic uh, (laughs) equation, although on paper that seems to account for, for a lot of things. How much do you try to control and how much do you let go of? What's interesting is that the way the problem is phrased, which is usually the way that it's talked about with McCabe and I, it's interesting because the first one is a try. You know, it's how much do you try to control, and trial. You know, it uh, almost suggests exactly that—that that it is uh, some some manner of effort. It is some, uh, yeah. It is. It is a expenditure of energy towards something to try to do something so how much do you try versus how much do you let go and letting go uh it's not like a trying it's just you do it you just let go and you stop your incessant uh meddling and uh (laughs) planning and strategizing and it's 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 almost the inaction so in a sense the question boils down to something that I've already talked about which is this sort of how you know why do anything at all type of problem I guess because if I guess if you're going to do anything uh you've already begun the process of trying I, I don't know uh you know people who are who are highly skilled musicians or artists or insert anything here, race car drivers, whatever it might be, uh, the most skilled people are almost these Zen characters in that they they seem to do what they do without effort. And that is really the quintessential Zen character, is that it's purely spontaneous, there's no thought related to it, uh, there's no need for structure and strategy and planning, it just happens. That it happens of itself and in this sort of pure way, and you can you can see it when you hear a talented uh or you know watch a talented musician play. You can kind of see this effortlessness. I don't know if they would agree that it's completely effortless, but uh, I'm trying to think now of of experiences that I've had in my life where I was so in tune with what I was doing that it wasn't even a matter of doing it. It was just happening. And uh, what comes to mind, I think, first and foremost, are sort of like uh, mushroom experiences or some of those experiences of cosmic consciousness or whatever you want to call it where you just feel fully and wholly that what you are doing is what the entire universe is doing and there is no problem to it. Uh, I wish I had better stories of, you know, deftly mountain biking down a trail or, you know, whatever, I guess, I guess there's some sense of that, you know, snowboarding or something and just being totally present in the moment and just going with it and just, just cruising along without that real thought is sort of this, uh, Zen, uh, essence that, that is talked about. It's, uh, it's, it's been called swimming headless. Uh, which is an interesting <laughs> an interesting phrase and image to to bring forth, but but the question I guess boils down to how much of this is purely uh, it 's funny it 's almost the intellect trying to defeat the intellect with intellect I mean to get anything out of these types of ideas requires thinking about them uh, my my uh, friend recently texted me this great quote that I think was in Huffington Post where um, a Zen master was being asked about the translation of Buddhist texts into English. All of these Japanese and I I suppose uh, Japanese Zen texts were in the process of being translated and this Zen master said, "Uh, what a waste of time, you know, the, the sound of the rain needs no translation. And I thought about that for a second and, uh, my reply back to my friend was kind of this snarky sort of Zen game of like one-upsmanship of, you know, it's funny that the master even had to say that, you know, I mean, and that's really what it boils down to is that, uh, all of these thoughts, all of these great experiences of snowboarding or tripping on mushrooms or whatever, like they happen. And in the moment they don't need any explanation but that's such a small percentage of our experience even though in the moment it feels total and timeless and eternal and all those types of things but as far as our uh, experience of being human it's such a small percentage of time that the rest of the time we are compelled to to think about it and to i guess that that to me is is sort of the source of this mystery that um, to put it another way, it's, it's a widely known phrase that, uh, it, it comes out of the, let's see, which I forget what the the writing is, but a master, a Zen master at one point said, uh, he who speaks doesn't know, right? I mean, that's a pretty common sort of, uh, phrase. Most people have heard something to that effect, you know, those who speak do not know. And, Yet he said that you know that master said that, <laughs> and it's already this sort of catch-22. Uh, you know that same master wrote was a prolific writer and wrote some of the most essential uh, texts in the Zen uh, canon, and he's remembered for a phrase like that. The you know he who speak doesn't know. So uh, you know why why write a book why why do anything yet we do and we are absolutely compelled and driven to to get to the bottom of things and to nail things down and to uh, make sense logically of a process which is you know in its essence when you actually have got it is completely independent of there being any literature about it is completely being independent of even a language to think about it is completely independent of this mechanism with which we aim to chase it. Yet, you know, it's all much ado about nothing, and I'm sitting here blabbing as if it were some sort of some sort of uh, worthwhile activity to get to the heart of this question that I'm that I'm talking about and what I keep just coming up against is you know the more you talk the more your legs are just spinning underneath you and uh you find yourself no closer to to where <laughs> to where you're trying to get so it it's interesting I guess i mean it's a uh, it's fun to get sort of th- caught in these currents of thought uh It's so interesting, it's so interesting, and one of the one of the interesting things about it is just how much has been said and how much has been thought about, and just the complexity and beauty of the ideas that we have constructed as a species as a uh you know as being able to weave these uh sequences of offs and ons and to create these compositions of thought which are just as delicate and beautiful as music a lot of the time. Uh, So much has been said, so much has been written. You could go to any library and just find book after book after book talking about all of the infinitely (laughs) dancing minutiae of existence and find there such... uh, such a well of inspiration and new connections and new thoughts. I mean, that's always one of the most exciting moments is when you've been going along in your life and then you come across some idea, some sequence of symbols that makes something click in your head and you just feel like you get it. Or you just feel like, ah, like I see that. I see how that makes sense. I see how that is in my life and I see how that uh, is... What's interesting is it's you find that information, and then there's this recognition of it having always been there, but it hasn't, because it is your knowledge of it that allows it to then exist in your life moving forward, which is kind of mind-boggling as well. And I my mind immediately goes towards religion and uh, people finding God or coming to Jesus or, you know, whatever whatever faith it is, but going from not knowing to knowing and then re-imprinting past experiences with the knowledge from the present moment is, I think, an essential piece of what humans do anyway. And uh, I'm going to go on a tangent here, but I think this is kind of fun. I've really noticed lately how sitting here as I am at this age with this set of experiences, when I think back over my life, I get to view everything that happened in the context of this moment, which is really kind of cool when you think about it because you're always doing that, but the moment is always changing. Your experiences are always changing. And so whereas when I was in high school and going through that experience, you know, my life was in a certain context and what I was doing was out of that context, out of that present moment, those experiences, those thoughts, whatever. Now at this point, when I look back, I, I see how those experiences and, and actions then relate to this context of now. And even though it's this, presumably the same actions that have happened, the understanding about them and their meaning or their uh, consequences and how they all tie in is a completely different understanding than it was then or at any moment or even in a week. Um, but there we are that uh not only do we have the power to flavor the current moment but we are constantly reinventing our entire history our entire uh experience up to n- up to the present i guess you know what what i'm trying to get at if anything is this idea again that i've talked about um i mean nothing new here really but just the, another context with which to put it in is the idea that we are, not only are we creating the universe in a sense, in each moment, that in each moment, everything that is only is to us because of us, if that makes sense. So to sit in any given place and to look and see something, uh, that sight, that uh, thing, if you want to call it that, that That doing, that whatever it is happening is only happening in relation to you experiencing it, which is a cool thought. And what I'm getting at now is this idea of how the information that we pick up and these new thoughts that come in and uh, flavor the way that our, our mind thinks and interprets things. Uh, has this transformative power that goes beyond um, this sort of surficial, uh, experiential aspect, which I think is an essential one. I mean, not only are we, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this tree, and maybe yesterday I read in the newspaper this new thing I had never heard about trees, about how, you know, the root structure is... In proportion to whatever, and so now when I regard this tree, I have with me in my thinking about it this new element of of thought, and in so creating it by seeing and thinking about it, uh, it is a product of my understanding my my entire life's experiences up to this moment is what is creating this present moment and Not only that, but with each passing moment comes a reinterpretation of everything, a reinterpretation not only of the present, but also of our past that we carry with us, which can only be experienced in the present. So that's, I guess, what I'm getting at here, is that we have this idea of a past that is behind us, interestingly enough, and... It is a certain way, it is something that happened, and we are just now at the cusp of this, you know, ever-breaking moment. But if you think about how the past can only ever be regarded in the moment as a reflective action that is happening right now, that that same aspect of our creativity of, you know, learning something new about this tree Changes the way that I experience everything including my analysis of the past so that when I think about Past experiences with trees. I now have this new piece of information that is changing what that was uh, a day before I learned it and you know to take this a step deeper I guess to really kind of show this is that You can know nothing about Buddhism or you can know nothing about Christianity, you can know only what your experiences have taught you, uh, and be that person in that moment, and in that moment, before learning, or, you know, learning is almost this word that seems like there is this real thing there to uh, absorb, but before knowing, I guess, before having any contact or exposure to an idea, it is it is absolutely fundamentally absent from existence as far as you are concerned because again I really I, I, I feel and have felt this notion that the universe as you understand it and there's no one else that you can have an understanding of except for yourself that universe is completely a product of your experience with it so even if you've read books talking about other people's ideas of it those things are now being brought into whatever reality, whatever you could put your finger on and say, this is reality is essentially your reality. And so to get back to this kind of line of thought, you know, before you've learned some deep secret mystery about Jesus and his relationship to you, that fundamentally does not exist in the universe as far as you're concerned, which, you know, I say that it, it's not like a, a belittling type statement. I mean, it is the... The bottom line is that that does not exist and the experience is what it is and then this new piece of information comes you learn this relationship that you have with christ where you learn this uh, nature of the buddha being present in all things and you, whatever it is you learn the proportion of a tree's root structure it doesn't matter uh, moving forward from that point and it's not even about moving forward or backwards or like on this timeline. It's just when, when these new things come to us, they fundamentally recreate the universe. And I think about the, the idea of reincarnation and I think that almost is it. Every time you, you have a new thought, you are reborn. You are recreating the universe. You are reincarnated, uh, reincreated. <laughs> you know, um, So that it it said, I think it's like a passage from James Joyce or something, where the man who enters the train and sits down to read the paper is not the man that stepped off of the platform uh, a minute ago. And it's that exact idea that uh, in every new glance at something, in every new reading of something or hearing of something or whatever... You are, and the universe in turn, is absolutely 100% recreated. It is new, it is different, it is uh, ever-changing in that aspect. And the way that this ties back to the last uh, ramble that I was on about this sort of, you know, the Zen master talking about, you know, the the non-need for writing and talking about these things is uh, so crazily interesting. (laughs) uh you know without without discovering that information the the capacity for that world to change into the flavor that he prefers uh is is lost yet what he's talking about is this thing that can't be talked about and that is it's like a game that we're constantly playing with ourselves that we have to play and is worth playing that uh it's not a problem that there is this huge problem, this huge uh, you know it almost boils down to self reference this self referential problem that exists everywhere in our thinking in our experience in our uh, systems in our languages in anything that the it is fundamentally impossible for anything to 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 truly know thyself, to explain thyself, to uh to catch and hold on to uh everything as it is. Whew, man, my head hurts like a fried egg. Uh I am ramblomatic. <sighs> you know, part of this is a recent conversation with a friend uh, where we did talk about this sort of pursuit of knowledge. And that's something that has, it, you know, in the past for me, been this sort of insatiable driving force, this idea that, man, look at all this information and look at how my world continually keeps changing as I discover these new things and read this new book. And, man, how do people not know this? And, wow, like, it's out there. It's just a matter of finding it or thinking it and writing it down and uh you know libraries just grow by osmosis you know people read the books that are there and have new thoughts that are spin-offs of the thoughts that were already there and it's this sort of compounding fractalization of of you know these seeds of of thought that were you know started from the beginning you know the first thoughts of yes and no crystallized into the good and bad and changed into the you know it's this like fracture fracturing 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 And with each new split, you get this whole new myriad of patterns and relationships and uh, depth. And, um, you know, you can find such satisfaction there logically. And, you know, I was very much chasing that rabbit (laughs) and feeling like you could put the pieces back together by smashing more and more things apart, uh, which really is what science is doing and does. And not just science. I mean, science is our fancy buzzword for the mythology of the day, which is just this sort of, uh, surgical, uh, language, this, uh, compartmentalization of thought and categorizing and, you know, it's, it's a splitting process. And in a, in a very, uh, you know, kind of superficial sense, it is a splitting process of just these words and categories, but even in a, you know, if it, if it can even be called this, you know, a Physical process, and even in in, even in talking right now, I'm making these splits. You know, I'm splitting physical from, uh, you know, logistical or whatever it might be. But it's this uh, this splitting, 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 and we we split the atoms, and we split the quarks, and now we're splitting the next thing, and we're trying to get back to the one through this surgical splitting process. And every time you split something. You learn more about what that original composition was. You learn more about uh, what the last thing was before you broke it open. But you are left now with all these new pieces. And so it is this endless game of chasing uh, and complicating the uh, intent. And I think I've talked about this before and probably almost in the same words about how um, the word atom... Uh, the Greek word atom, uh, a at the beginning of a word is like the negation, and tom, Thomas was was cutting, and so a toma was non-cuttable, and the atom then was what couldn't be cut, because the early scientists or the early philosophers, thinkers, you know, um, religious people, call them whatever you want, the people that were probing and trying to figure things out. Uh, the width of a knife blade was as small as they could get. And so anything that was smaller than the width of a blade of a knife was uncuttable and couldn't be subdivided and couldn't be uh, taken deeper. So we have this idea of atom as like the uh, core component of of nature that can't be div- divided anymore. That's what we keep trying to find is this undivisible piece. And like I said, you know, this whole story of first cutting things apart and then... Uh, you know getting to this sort of strange world of little atoms or waveicles or whatever and breaking them apart and cutting and cutting and cutting and where is that atom where is that uncuttable thing that is you know the one particle that relates back to everything else and we have i mean i i am fairly convinced and it's based on nothing more than suspicion and my own you know logic trying to defeat logic but uh, the fact that we keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and never hitting bottom to me is this indication that the methods by which we are approaching the problem are fundamentally uh, incapable of of solving the problem now the The interesting spin off of this is the recognition that every time we split something apart and gain new insight, we at the same time uh, create in that in that complexity that I'm talking about. Uh, all of these new relationships and all of these new potentials and all of these new technologies. And, you know, if if what I was saying really meant, like, let's stop splitting the atoms and let's just sit and, you know, stare at each other, uh, we would, I wouldn't be talking on this little smartphone device. And we wouldn't be, you know, looking to the future with some sort of optimism in that uh, the technology that brought us to the brink of ecological disaster might at the same time provide the means to... Uh, save ourselves through you know energy technologies and communication or whatever it might be Um, so that i mean that is the recognition that i have across the line here and it's one of the, the reasons why it's so interesting to to talk and talk and talk as if there was a point to be made as if there was something to be convinced of and in the end what it really boils down to is that there there is no need nor requirement to know or be convinced to know anything and as soon as you take a stance on something, you see a million ways why you're wrong, uh, um, no matter what that stance is. And I don't know. It gets back again to what I'm, what I said about to talk uh, through is this idea of letting go versus control. And you know, the, the controlling aspect, this will to power, this will to to understand, to gain mastery. Um, and in so doing, create new potentials and new ways to arrange things to have new things happen. Um, but that that controlling aspect of uh, you know putting circuits in silicon and uh, orchestrating teams to build products and um, you know arranging civilizations and societies in in specialized ways to function as a as a whole. You know that controlling aspect is the counterpart to this uh to this zen of letting go and to experiencing it without feeling like you have to control it and of understanding in a strange sort of way that your understanding is fundamentally and always flawed and um that it isn't so much about understanding as it is just about (laughs) insert any anything there you know i mean it's it is like this let go it's okay just uh you know, sink back into it and, you know, take a deep breath and feel your body and feel your your life and experience it. And it's these two um, poles that are equally valid, diametrically opposed uh, in opposition, but both essential in a strange kind of way. And how and where they relate to each other, I guess, is where I have found the most... uh difficulty but also the most uh just wonder is in that exact problem i mean call it free will call it uh you know why do anything at all call it uh choices call it um knowledge and truth or call it uh any term that you want to assign uh to whatever that that quest is but um yeah, it's it's so it's so amazing to build up a glass castle with just beautiful complexity and intricacy and beauty and depth and then to just let it blow away into dust and have that dust be just as profound. So that question of how much do you try to control and how much do you let go of I guess the answer is yes.